All right, guys, how you doing? Another edition of the Rock Stops Here podcast. Where did I stop today? Well, today, I, I got a couple of questions from you guys over the last, what, two years I've been doing this podcast asking me, like, what's the difference between, like, covering the Rays and the Bucks or, or the Lightning or, you know, what's the difference between covering Major League Baseball team and NFL team? So you know what I thought? I thought this is this would be a great opportunity to give you behind the scenes, let you know how it works. You know, a little more than just oh, you go there, you cover the team, you interview players after the game and the coach, and then that's it. Or you go during the week and you ask a couple questions. No, it's a lot more than that. So I think we'll do that. I wanted to kind of put a wrap on the baseball season. The World Series is over. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Yeah, yeah, I know that the ratings were down and baseball ratings overall continue to go down uh, a little bit. I mean, the, I think attendance was up this year. You know, it's still a great game to go watch in person, especially if you can go with some f- friends or your family and you got time to relax, but whatever. So, and I, I'm tr- I was trying to come up with ideas. What more could baseball do to attract more of an audience? I just don't know. But so we'll do all that after my guest, but it is the rock stops here. I stopped somewhere and talked to someone that has made it to the top. My guest today is Ryan Spielborg. He's a former major league baseball player. He was an outfielder, Colorado Rockies. He lives in the Denver area, one of my favorite places. I lived in the Denver area for a short time, went back this summer. Oh, do I miss it? But anyway, Ryan Spielborgs has worked. He's covered the Rockies. He's done the Rockies thing, being a color guy on their broadcasts. Started out at uh, that Sportsnet Rocky Mountain. He's on Sirius XM, uh, MLB, Network Radio, he and uh, CJ, the Loud Outs, great show. Um, he did Apple TV nationally, Friday nights. They do games around the country. And he just got finished broadcasting the World Series to an international audience. So former player turned very successful broadcaster. And again, when I went up to him, I'm like, hey, man. Denver. Oh, you got me. I love Denver. But anyway, so, and how did he get his job? How has he kept it? What has he enjoyed? Really interesting. Good guy. It's not that long. And then I'm going to hit you on the back end with my stories. Okay? So here we go. Without further ado, Ryan Spillboards. All right, I am with Ryan Spielborgs. I think he is one of the most interesting men in baseball because, you know, he made it. This is the rock stops here where those that have made it to the top. So you made it to the top as a Major League Baseball player. Then you get into broadcasting. Of course, you're doing Rockies games and you're on Sirius XM, so you can't really go much higher than that. And then you go back to school, get your degree, and then you're also kind of like a businessman and looking out for the future. I mean, you do it all. How are you? I'm doing good, Rock. Thanks for having me on. I, I got to admit, like, none of those things were on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like being a big leaguer was, you know, in a in a way was an accident. Yeah, I like I just loved baseball and I kept playing. I never thought I was going to get to it. I mean, you have it in the back of your mind that you're going to be a major leaguer. Um, but when I think back to like how I actually got there, I was fortunate. I had 
injuries. I had people along the way that, like for example, UC Santa Barbara is where I went to school. And uh, I happen to have a, a teammate and an outfielder who is a, a redshirt senior. And I love telling the story, his name is Brad Wright. And um, I was getting redshirted my freshman year and I was a center fielder, I could run, I couldn't hit. I couldn't hit at all in college, especially early. And he bought me a pair of sunglasses and he took me to right field at UC Santa Barbara and he says, in order for you to get to learn how to hit, play the sun ball here at UCSB. And so if this guy didn't buy me a pair of sunglasses and teach me how to like gain an angle in the outfield, I'm not here, you know? And so I have so many of those stories where right place, right time, something happened where something popped up. I usually don't say no to people. So, so it's like I've been given opportunities and presented with things that I've done that were all accidents. <laughs> like I didn't seek any of them out. And uh, it's kind of cool that you're, you're bringing them up. Uh, that's incredible. I think you're being a little bit humble because baseball is one of the hardest games to progress through the levels and then to make it in the major league. So uh, does it feel like it was not that long ago when you were playing in major league baseball or does it sometimes feel like, wow, it was kind of like a different life ago? Yeah, it does feel, it feels closer to a different life ago than, uh, than it being yesterday. But I mean... I still look at the game the same way I did as a player. Uh, I was a bench player, so I look at the game as like through National League style. So I'm op oftentimes like four outs ahead, counting, um, counting outs, looking at matchups, thinking about bullpens. That's how I that's how I view the game because I was trying to picture how I'd come up and hit as a as a pinch hitter. Um, and then the other day that it was like a couple years ago, uh, I had about six years of service time, and I was as a broadcaster. I was I passed my service time as a broadcaster and I was like damn that went really fast like I thought I was a big leaguer for a long time and I already passed it uh, as a broadcaster and and I mean like I grew up in California so Vince Scully was my guy and he said you're, you're gonna see a lot of major league debuts and retirements in the blink of an eye and he's been right I mean I've seen major leaguers make their debut and you know walk around the field with their family because their their careers over already and i'm 10 years into this <laughs> into this deal so it's it's pretty remarkable and yeah i mean i always picture myself as a player but now i've surpassed that as a broadcaster yes now broadcasting okay you and just one or two more things not only did you play major league baseball you played in mexico you played in japan what were those experiences like uh, <laughs> I would say, like, first off, the Mexico experience to me made my career. Again, another, like, happen chance opportunity where I got I got mad in the September of 2005 that I didn't get called up in September. And uh, my my manager at AAA was, was a Mexican league coach. And he goes, are you angry and you want to keep playing? I said, yeah, damn right. He goes, all right, I'll get you set up. So I go and I played winter ball. And the byproduct of that was... I saw secondary pitches, I saw curveballs, and so as a pitch hitter, if you, if you spun a pitch up there, I'd, I'd whack it. <laughs> so, uh, and then because I played in Mexico, um, Japanese scouts were looking for players that played in winter ball because they could assimilate if they weren't in, um, in an American culture. So because of that, again, like I wouldn't have gotten Japan if I didn't play in Mexico and if I didn't 
and I wouldn't have played in Mexico if it wasn't for a manager that I had in AAA. I'm very curious. We were lucky enough years ago. We traveled with the Devil Rays when they played the Yankees in the Tokyo Dome and then played Hanshin, Tigers, a couple of other teams. The culture is just so different. Uh, and there's some guys that go over and they just, they, they don't, they can't eat the food. It's just different. Did you uh, assimilate or was it a, no? Uh, no, I assimilate just fine. I mean, you got to embrace where you're at. You got to be where your feet are at. Um, ultimately, I felt like I was, uh, you know, you hear about these surfer missionaries that'll go and go out in the middle of wherever just to find surf. Um, that's, I, I think that's how I viewed baseball. I'd go play anywhere. Um, despite what the environment is, just to go play baseball. So I, I kind of looked at it that way, always. Now, you get into broadcasting, you get in, it was root sports at the time, but the Colorado Rockies, you were doing sideline reporting, you're doing pre and post game, and filling in a little bit. What was that like going from the playing field, and was it harder? What about it, man, being a broadcaster? Yeah, I would say broadcasting is more of a craft than like a natural talent. It's something you have to think about Think about the cadence of, of broadcasting, how you research, how you do the your due diligence. Uh, it's not as simple as, hey, I played baseball and I'm just going to roll out here and give this great analysis. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> so um, I would say I'd, uh, the craft of this sport and the craft of, of broadcasting has always kind of thrilled me. Again, I didn't expect I was ever going to be here. Um, but now that I was in it, I'm like, all right, there's a craft to it and I want to learn it. Last one. Advice. You've made it to the top in life. What is your advice? Take your failures and learn from them. I mean, it's okay to fail. Um, I, I'll always say that. Failure is probably your best teacher. Um, and if you fail, it's okay. Like, that's all part of it. I, I thought he was being a little humble there, saying that, wow, it was almost like, you know, I never anticipated being a major league player to make it to the show. You have to be good. You have to be driven. He was just being a little humble. But, Ryan, thank you very, very much. And best of luck to you in your career. And enjoy living in the Rocky Mountains. Oh, my God. You know, I lived in Littleton, Colorado. Not far at all from Columbine High School. And I loved it. And I remember when I lived there a long time ago because I've been here. It's actually, I think it's 30 years now. Is it 30 years in the Tampa Bay market? Unbelievable. But believable. But I drove in a pickup truck from Littleton, Colorado, straight to South Tampa, south of Gandy, Lighthouse Bay Apartments. And started out at 970 WFL Ray Radio. And then got into Bay News 9. They're 18 years and just keep going and going and going. It has worked out. But, oh my God, when we went on a family trip, Emily's family, we went to uh, the Rocky Mountains, to Denver, this summer. And I just... Oh my God, I, got, I was driving around and I drove everybody, the family. We had a big van. I was the driver the whole time, designated driver. Drove everybody. And then I even went back to where I used to live in a townhouse and then an apartment and the field that I used to run sprints on. Because as soon as I got to Denver, right away, 
I saw there was a uh, tryouts for a men's baseball league. Boom, I went. Boom, guys like, no, you can throw your left. You're off. Don't You're not trying out. You're over here. You're on my team. Okay, boom, boom. Hey, we practice Tuesday. Boom, here you go. All of a sudden, I, I had some buddies. I was on a baseball team. Was renting a condo with my ex. Uh, saw a sign in the window. Boom, call. I said, oh, I'm getting transferred. I'm a national reporter. I didn't have a job. They're saying, boom, okay. No checking. Okay. We, we boom, drove there, started living there. The guy next door in the condo seemed like a good, good guy. Brian started drinking beers, party with him a little bit. He goes, Hey, we play basketball Tuesday and Thursday nights at this thing. Beautiful. All of a sudden, boom, got to meet those guys. Boom. Hung with them. They were on a softball team. Uh, co-ed I would go and do the books because I pitched in a hardball league once a week so I had hardball friends I had those friends playing basketball with those guys and all of a sudden this is all in a matter of like a couple of weeks from moving there I just think it's easier for guys to meet friends a lot faster than it is to meet strong you know women friends anyway it's just my thing but anyway so I just went back it was probably 34 years ago and I ran on the field and did sprints. I did 10. I ran a sprint and I walked back. That's how I used to always do it running. I never ran a distance. I did when I was younger. but And I and I did it again. I was like, this is surreal. And I looked across from the street where I was running. And that's where the condos were where I used to live. And it was 34, 32 years later, whatever it was. And I was there. I had a little time. Emily and the kid, you know, they were all doing the thing in the house. I said, I'm going to go take a ride. I went back neighborhood where I used to live and I was just like oh my god I used to do it run a sprint walk back run back even when uh, there was snow six inches eight inches uh fresh fallen snow I would love when I was done I used to sometimes have bring a football down and pretend like I was throwing myself passes and I could always do that I did this as a kid and I did this when I was living in Denver you get fresh fallen snow a field and then after I'm done, it looked like there was a full-fledged game with like 11 on 11 with all the footprints. And I used to just, I just loved it. And I just did it. And it was surreal, surreal. So there's my Denver, Colorado. Uh, Ryan, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. But life has worked out just fine here. Now, real quickly, baseball. Ratings for the World Series down. Yes, it was not the Dod- well, not the Yankees, the Red Sox. I was glad it was actually two new teams. But again, there wasn't a lot of buzz unless you're a Texas Rangers fan, Arizona Diamondbacks fan. You know, the games were good. They were thrilling. But again, it is it's to the point where there's I don't think there's that much more you can do with baseball. Like I was really thinking about it. And I told you guys that I knew that the NFL was going to make a big push for flag football. It's a smart move, especially with girls. Look, at the NFL is king. It's gotten even bigger. Ratings, revenue, the money, the interest, gambling, the fantasy. It's, it's, it's king. We, we know this. And, heck, I remember when I was in Denver 34 years ago, my friend... Uh, we were hanging out one night and he's like, you know what? Um, what's his name? He's still on Fox with the flat top or the close to it. Uh, Howie Long. Even then, 
my friend quoted Howie Long when I was living in Denver. He goes, baseball is America's pastime. NFL is America's, or football is America's passion. That was 30 some years ago. It's even more now. And you, you, and so, but the NFL is always looking at ways. You know, Goodell said last week there is going to be another country that they're going to play an NFL game. He didn't announce it yet. At least I don't think he's announced it yet by this time of this podcast. He did this interview in Frankfurt, Germany, because they played in Germany last week. Huge. And so they still want to do more. They want to capture the youth and girls. And they're going to make this big push with flag football. And you've probably noticed it. Have you seen the commercials and the tournaments? And I know it's big in the Tampa Bay area with the Bucks. They use the fields. And then they want to eventually make it to like a Little League World Series with flag football, boys and girls. You know, that's what the NFL plans on doing. And I'm like, well, what could Major League Baseball do to attract kids that don't play baseball? You know, and just last night I went out to do a little uh, video of a baseball field and I went locally and I saw there was like, you know, there was soccer being played. There was, and then there was a couple fields with baseball, the little ones. Now, for the first time, I saw this fake pitching arm. It's a machine where the, the father or the coach is behind it. He puts it, makes the motion like the pitch is coming. And then the here comes the fake arm. Boom. And I was like, oh, no. Get the kids used to a real throwing motion. But then again, I thought maybe there's not a lot of parents, fathers that can throw. You know, maybe that's it. Maybe at this level, okay, okay. But you know what? It was well coached. The kids were playing. They seemed to be kind of happy. Uh, I went on to the other field. They were another age group, a little bit higher. Seemed pretty good. Again, it's who's running the thing. So I was like, okay, that, that made me feel a little bit better. These kids are playing baseball. And again, it's down here in Florida. I know it's November. It's almost year-round down here. But, you know, but I mean, what more could you do? You know, could you? I started thinking, what could baseball do to attract the average fan, young fan? Could you have some type of competition? But, you know, you can't change the rules. You know, the pitch clock was going three strikes and you're out, ball four, three outs in an inning. You know, we used to play a game called pickle. One guy on one side, I'm over here, and one would run back and forth. And you got to run, and we try to get you out before you hit, you know, each one of us but i mean we had to come up with things because we didn't have a phone we didn't have a laptop we didn't have an ipad we didn't have everything at our disposal so we just had to do it it was a different time and place i honestly don't think i'm to the point now we're like okay ratings are down this is the lowest world series the one before that was low the dodgers raise was really low but not as low as this one this one was even lower okay so what if you want to go you go you know, this thing about, oh, driving to the trop, uh, you know, oh, it's really hard to get there to St. Pete. If you want to go, you go. You know, if th this is what it is, this is what it is. The rules in baseball were made before television was invented. Look at how society has changed. Society changed with the advent of TV, then the internet, then our phones do everything. 
I used to think when I was a kid, I would love to be able to see someone that I'm talking with on a phone, on a landline. God, that'll never happen. Look at it now. But these are the same rules that were made, the slow pace, the no clock. I don't know. You can't do much more. So that's it. I don't know. Is there anything that baseball could create that would make it fun for kids? I don't I don't know. I, I just I'm to the point where, you know what? That that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Uh, I do I'm gonna hit you up. I want to tell you guys about the difference of what it's like covering a team like in Major League Baseball and behind the scenes and the NFL. But before I do that, I gotta get something off my chest. Over it, there is a thing, in my opinion. I am oh, in my opinion, as overexposed. Case in point, Travis Kelsey, and uh, it shows you how I've blocked her out. <laughs> Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Now, Halloween was two weeks ago. I saw some great uh, outfits, costumes, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. Great. Great. Halloween, that was big this year. That's funny. I do not care. I do not read one bit anything on my feeds now about Travis Kelsey or Taylor Swift. I could care less. I could care less. Right in the beginning? All right. Oh, that's interesting. Taylor Swift. I don't know how. She's obviously... Eh, I don't want to say she's as popular as the Beatles were, but, and I know you guys, guys, you got to give it up, man. It's unbelievable. My daughter, let me tell you something. My daughter is 14. She's a freshman in high school. She doesn't follow Tra uh, Taylor Swift. She doesn't. She follows everything else that's going on on TikTok and what's going on. I, she knows, you know, everybody, I don't even know, but it wasn't her thing. Her friend's father said, hey, we're going to be going to the Taylor Swift concert in Tampa. Would you like to go? Addie, my daughter, is friends with this girl? Sure, that would be great. Okay, he'll take, take, take care of getting the tickets. He ends up getting tickets. He was able to get online, you know, the, oh, you had to be in this sign up early and then it was still sold so fast, this and that. Boom. It turned out, boom. Okay, he's in. Emily, my wife, is going to go with daddy. How much are the tickets? $600 a piece. We thought that was exorbitant. $600 a piece. $600 a ticket for Taylor Swift? Oh, Emily is more frugal than me she was like oh my god what does this include a meet and greet no okay so the weeks the days went on the weeks went on it was bothering emily and, and addie really isn't but she had said yes would this father be upset if they tried to sell the tickets because you know what we had uh, uh, some expenses coming up you know blah 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 he goes, no, that's fine. He already had another one for his other daughter. They're fine. If you want to, you can. So Emily went on uh, either Facebook Marketplace or whatever. Oh, it was no problem. 
She had a father contact her. Boom. If you've ever done, Emily's been very good selling stuff on Facebook Marketplace, very successful. But you, I try to go with her. They'll meet in a public spot. Well, Emily was smart. She's like, let's meet at my bank. She wanted to make sure, because people aren't going to give cash, or if they are, that, that it's done. In a, in, and I went with her. And then we went into this bank. The, the father shows up, all legit, came in. Emily wanted to make sure with this kind of money, sick, you know, boom, sold it, tickets, no problem. You're talking, I think it was like, oh my God, 1200 you know, whatever it was, a piece. And this father couldn't have been happier very happy thanking up and down shaking of the hands so my point is she's she's doing it yes she is probably the most popular most successful artist right now in the country the kelsey's the kelsey's are overexposed mama kelsey she was sitting right next to me one row in front of me at the nfl at the super bowl at the super bowl when Roger Goodell was having his press conference, she was there. They had it all staged, planned. She was going to get a question in. They make sure they know. And it's with Goodell and this and that. Everything is all preset. It's not like raise your hand and we'll just go to you. You know what I mean? And so she's got that, the two shirts all the time, the Kelsey's, the Kelsey's, Taylor Swift. It's too much for me. It's overexposed. So boom, I just scroll past. I don't read anything of that anymore. It's not like I'm, you know, get off my lawn and I don't care. Number two, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee, I was a huge fan. I was like, this guy's show is different. They're down to earth. They can swear. They're for the regular guy. I know it's probably a younger audience, but I was liking it. I would like all, I would see all his clips. I liked it. I liked that I liked it. And then he just got so too overexposed. He's on everything, everything. Yep, he went to the WWE. That was interesting. I would even go on the YouTube, watch the behind the scenes because it was during COVID. It was taped here in Tampa Bay in the Tropicana Field, the Thunderdome. And then, uh, and then they went to the Sundome. And then they would fly back to Indiana and they put a little, these little behind the scenes on YouTube. And I was real interested. Heck, I, his, his handler, this, was it actually the general manager? Somebody in his organization i reached out to could i get pat mcafee on the podcast i'm living in tampa bay i can come to where they have a house they were renting a house and he got back to me he goes listen he doesn't have the time he's got to go from here he's got to get uh, tested covid tested before he does wwe or something like that there just isn't any time blah 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 but we appreciate the offer at least somebody got back to me somebody at that level i was like i like pat mcafee and i liked him i saw him at the super bowl he was coming up the escalator i said how do you pat how do you doing at number one he's like oh hey doing he shook my hand something did a little video uh i was trying to get like i was a fan but it's to the point now where once he's gone to espn he's on everything He's doing everything. Now it's going to be college game day. Him and Reese Davis, college uh, game day in the mornings, this and that, this and that. So now it's gotten to the point like, I don't, I don't, it's too much. I don't, uh, it's overexposed. Are you like that? Is is it just me? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But to me, it was just too, it was just a little, 
it was just it was, it was just too much whatever but i just had to get it off my chest okay let me give you a little you ready for some stories let me give you a couple of stories behind the scenes behind the scenes i'm going to go into today like what it's like covering baseball major league baseball or covering the nfl and over the years accessibility has gotten a little bit tighter no doubt about that but it's still all pretty much the same and you got to have certain rules and regulations first of all how do you cover a team you got to be approved for a media credential sometimes it's daily pass other times it's for the season there's one for practices there's one for games that's how it is in the nfl Baseball, once the season start, if you get a season pass, that season credential is good for practices, but they don't have practices. Once you start a season, they play almost all the time. They might have a day off. They don't have practice. So it's a little different. The NFL only plays once a week. Um, the, the, the difference between covering an NFL team is the head coach of an NFL team never talks before a game to a media member ever you never get an interview you never get near a head coach actually any of the coaches you don't even get near the players before a game they only play once a week it's a short 17 week season and then playoffs so you never get to talk to them before a game baseball hockey nba coaches talk before the games and after the games and in baseball there's 162 days i don't know how this started i don't know why they actually agreed to this i'm not coming here just oh pro media it's always got to be us i'm just saying if i was a manager would i want to talk to some media guys some are good just like anything just like players just like in business just like in social life some people are good some people are jagoffs some people are jerk-offs. Some people are nice. Some people are funny. Some people are not. It's the same whether in its media, okay? And a lot of times, some of the media can be whatever. But baseball, a manager will always talk before the game, have a certain time. Most of the time, it's done in the dugout. Sometimes they might stand up. There's a, there is a gentleman in the media, he's a national guy, and he's in a wheelchair. And real good guy, great sense of humor, I like him. And he used to live in Orlando, and now he's living in New Orleans, he wants to move back to Orlando. But anyway, he covers the Rays here and there. And Kevin Cash, who is the skipper for the Rays, because he's in a wheelchair, everybody else, he comes out of the dugout and does it in front of the dugout so this gentleman in the wheelchair has as much accessibility as the other reporters. I think that's a cool move. That is a neat move by Kevin Cash. I like Cash. So that's how that goes. In hockey, there's what they call a morning skate. I don't know how this tradition started, but if you're playing a game, a hockey game at night, there's always a morning skate in the morning. And the players got to put on all the pads, all the tape, 
all that jazz, the skates, all the pads, the helmet, and go out and do a little morning skate. Sometimes the coaches will say it's an optional skate. If you had a couple of nights in a row, it's kind of hard. If you want to come and, you know, and do a skate. So what the players do is, my experience over time, not only here in Tampa Bay, but back in Jersey and New York, they will go to the morning skate, they will go back home, or if it's at a hotel, and then they usually try to take a nap. And then later they'll come and then they get their, uh, you know, they'll get ready for the game. One other thing, I said it was going to be MLB and NFL, but I got to tell you about NHL. NHL, I don't know who, who started this. Players to loosen up will play, they used to play, this is before they put on their pads. Say it's a 7 o'clock game, I'm talking about 5 o'clock, two hours before. They used to play hacky sack. You know what hacky sack is? Those little balls, like beanbag balls, and it's just like kicking it, kicking it to one another. Now it's been a soccer ball over the last 10 years or whatever. The um, the Lightning like to play football. Stamp Coast loves to throw. Headman uh, in the hallway, and they do it in a hallway where media workers are walking. You always walk on the side. They form a circle, and they do that. That's how they loosen up for every game. Uh, NBA, there's what they call a morning shoot. A morning, uh, uh, what is it called? Morning shoot out, shoot. Anyway, the players loosen up, and the coach can talk uh, to the media. But with football, you don't get that. After games, it's all pretty much the same time. Say the game is done. All right, game is done. It's a baseball game. Boom, ninth inning, last out. Boom. You go downstairs. You stand outside the locker. There's always going to be somebody that's going to check your credential. Now, now it used to be you just check. Now it's like, mm, does it click on their machine? Boom, okay, you're good to go. Your picture's on there. Boom, boom, you're good to go. You stand, you wait. There's always a cool down period because guys might be pissed off. They might have effed up. The, the manager's mad, the coach, this and that. Give them a cool-down period. That cool-down period is not long enough because especially for football, it's played once a week. They put all their effort all week, their whole year, into these games that are played once a week, and now, boom, locker room opens, and you go in, boom. Same thing with hockey, same thing with NBA, Baseball, same thing. You're standing out there. A lot of times over the years, you'll hear celebration. Like they'll play some music and there'll be some dancing if they're on a little winning streak and it's going good. They used to have these disco balls uh, and they would turn off the lights and have the disco balls have the music going. You can hear it. Uh, there's been some times where I've been standing outside of a locker room, clubhouse, and you've heard yelling. You've heard uh, there's been a time or two where there's been a fight. They're guys. And you, you're outside. And then the doors open, boom. Usually you go to the manager's office in baseball first, get your questions out. Everybody's in there at the same time. Okay, good, boom. Now you go back out to the clubhouse and you look around. The starting pitcher is usually always hanging around. A starting pitcher, that's what sucks about being a starting pitcher. You could get knocked out in the third inning. You can get knocked out in the fourth inning. 
and all you want to do is go home, get a shower and go home. You're not going to play for, you're not going to pitch for another five days. You don't have a chance to redeem yourself. In baseball, if you're in a slump, you can't, well, you, you went over. You went over four, over five. All right. Next day, you'll be at the ballpark, one o'clock, two o'clock. Boom. You're ready for the next game. Try to get off this slide. Baseball, you get knocked out. And the starting pitcher waits around. He takes his shower and he kind of hangs around. Last thing he wants to do is stay. And you'll hang around and then wait. And then after the game, and then talk to the media. And then the media come in and what happened? What happened? I remember there was a one guy, he had never played, this little guy, a reporter, and he would just get right to it. Like he'd say, Sally, your curveball wasn't working, and you weren't doing good. Why weren't you playing? Why, why wasn't everything working? You weren't playing, pitching good. Like, oh my God, man, he's in. So it was a tough one out there. You know, something like that. Be compassionate. At least I was. Most are. But anyway, that's how it happens, you know? Now, the way it used to, you used to be able to really go up to players. Now, how it is is if you want during the week, let's say you want to interview somebody for a story that you're doing, most of the time you got to kind of bounce it off the public relations person, the media relations person. They, One guy told me years ago, and this has always stuck with me, they don't like surprises. Don't throw them a curveball. Don't last minute ask for something. If you're going to ask for something, give them enough time leeway. They got to know. They got to know. It's almost like it's their kids. I know what the, it used to be. You could just go around the clubhouse and talk to whoever you want. It's still kind of like that. But with the Rays now, you kind of got to go to the PR person and let them know, hey, I would like to talk with so-and-so. Is that cool? You know what I'm saying? Um, same thing with the NFL. You know, you can go, the, the, the locker room opens on Wednesdays, Thursdays. Friday is usually getting guys off the field if there's somebody that you need. Basically, you can kind of go around, but there's always PR people in the locker room. If you do an, a lengthy one-on-one, -on -one, usually a PR person is going to be nearby. They want to make sure they're kind of like protecting the player to make sure there's no, you know, not going to, you know, get any questions that, you know, they're doing their job. PR, public relations. Um, now, if you're there all the time. Like I'm at the Bucks all the time. They've known me. I've covered the team for 30 years. There is a little bit of leeway respect. They know that I'm not one of those guys who's going to throw a guy under the bus. I'm trying to get headlines. I'm trying to get something going viral. I'm going to really ask something really hard, tough. But So they kind of let me, if I just say, hey, I'm going to get so-and-so, you know, go, go right ahead. Or, or that, I'm going to get somebody here, boom, boom, for the pocket, and they just kind of make sure it's, you know, I'm cool. So it's basically kind of how it goes. Um, I, I haven't covered the NBA in a long time. I used to back when I was living in Jersey and the Nets and the Knicks, um, but I really haven't. I've gone over to the Magic a handful of times. Uh, when I was working in local TV, TV for Bay News 9 and then CFN Orlando, and I went over a couple of times, but really I haven't been making the trek to do the Orlando Magic. Maybe I should do. Maybe I should try to get a credential for Maybe I should try that. 
this year. I four is a pain in the butt, and of course hockey is. And then oh, here's how it's different in hockey. Here here's the difference in hockey. There's two different locker rooms. Like the, there's one locker room where the players. Well, I won't say it's two different locker rooms. Here's how it works. Okay, you have the cool down period. And then the word will be like, okay. And security gets the word like not, okay, it's okay. You can come now. And they make sure you walk by. You have to show your credential. You make sure they have the right credential. You go by. You can either do visitors. They might say visitors locker room open. Okay, you can go down there. Usually the visitors locker room is open faster than the home because the visitors got to shower a little quicker, get on the bus, get to the airport, get on the charter to get to their where their next destination is, home or away home it's not as you know as sped up all right all right home locker room home uh, is is open you walk in there and all the, the players are there just to take off their gear and then they're gone whereas in and then the, you don't see them again now if a team has been losing and a team has been sucking it up no one wants to be there to have to answer questions to the media. They already know that they played a bad game. They know they're on a losing streak. They know that they effed up. But someone has to stand up. And usually it's done like it might be the captain, Stamkos. It's going to be somebody. Usually the goalie, they will bring the goalie back out. He's got his gear off. He will stand there near the board. He'll answer questions. The, the goalie, it's almost like the pitcher. You know, you got to know. The quarterback has always got to talk after a game. He was, he's been involved in all big plays. You know what I'm saying? You can't have the, you didn't have the quarterback. So that's how, that, that's how it works. But those guys are gone. Once they leave that room, they don't come back. Like if you go in a baseball clubhouse, they've got all their clothes in lockers. When you go in a hockey locker room, they have a hook. And that's where they might have their skates. And they'll leave their gear down at their, you know, at their feet there. And then there'll be somebody coming around to take it away. Then they go in a separate room and they'll shower in there. They got their clothes in there. Media's not in there. So it's different in hockey. Once you go in, it's not like everybody is sitting there and you can talk to you. It's usually a couple and they'll, they'll make sure that they're there, you know, and face the music. But in baseball, there's one big clubhouse. They have lockers. Their show, their clothes are there. You're gonna get them before, or after their shower, and then uh, football, same way. NBA, same way. All in all, what I have found, whether it's whatever sport, whatever time frame, late '80s when I first got into this to now, it all comes down to the same thing that I've learned doing these podcasts. If you're a good dude, they can notice that. They will respect you. You will get what you need. They respect that. If you're a jagoff, you're not going to get what you want. And that's how it goes in life. No matter what. Media, playing, business, life, family, jagoffs are not wanted. <laughs> Let's just call it like that. Jagoffs are not wanted. All right, guys. Uh, I think that is, yeah, that really is about it. Oh, 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 you know what? For another podcast, I was gonna say, 
I was just thinking about it. I, I wrote down some notes, but I'm not looking when I'm talking to you guys. Like Kirk Herb Street's another one. I thought Kirk Herb Street is great on college football games. College football period. Him and Fowler. As a matter of fact, a couple years ago, Fowler and Herb Street, when I was in local TV, they did interviews for me at the Rose Bowl and all this jazz. They were great. They were great. I like him. He does a good job at the NFL, but it's too overexposed. Like, I don't want to see you on Thursday night. I want to see somebody else. And then when I saw, like, oh, my God, uh, it went viral. The girl who works for ESPN, she was rubbing his feet and warming his feet up. On t- I, when it was a little cold out at that one stand, I'm like, oh, oh, too much diva, too too much for me. Just the overexposed thing. But I'm not overexposed. That's for dang sure. So anyway, guys, thank you so much. If you've not subscribed, hit the subscribe button. Boom. Leave a comment down below. <laughs> uh, share. Tell your peeps. I appreciate it. It is the Rock Stops Here podcast. I will talk to you next week, same time, same place. Have a good one, guys.